So welcome back to episode 10, everyone. Uh, we've had a two-week break. Uh, hopefully you've all been staying safe and watching films. Uh, how about yourself, Tris? How have you been? Okay? Uh, yeah, I've been good, mate. Uh, <clears throat> the high point of my last two weeks was uh, getting sunburned last week. Um, yeah, spent a little bit too uh, long out in the front garden. Uh, you have to be careful. You have to be careful, mate. I know. Well, you say I'm northern. I'm not used to all this sunshine. But uh, normally I'd go out just for you know little burst like half hour hour here like this kind of thing and then it get too hot for me anyway but yeah last week i fell asleep um while out front uh for about four four and a half hours Uh, oh my god you're so old (laughs) uh, no it was it was just really nice and relaxing in the sun but uh yeah my kneecaps and my legs got burnt my left arm uh my face started to peel a day or so ago which was nice and then i realized oh it's the sunburn going thank god uh just thought there was something wrong with me anyway but um yeah uh, so that's been the highlight of my last two weeks is uh, just not paying attention to the clock and uh, having a bit of a doze in the sun so um, well, get some, take get care some... of yourself that's the, that's the main thing <laughs> yeah get some uh, fun factor on your puppies and kittens out there and just look after yourself if you're going to sit on the sun and you think you're going to doze off then yeah get some some factor 50 billion on yourself just just to be careful i'm all right now i'm all right now it's just yeah it was like going to bed where i was like i felt like the human torch when i was lying in bed that night it was incredible nice well hopefully that's a life lesson to everybody please uh, <laughs> stay safe when you're out in the garden in the sunshine as well so uh it's been a an interesting two weeks i would say in the uh in the film world uh, i'll quickly go through what's kind of happened to us obviously interject with any uh, comments you have but uh, everyone probably would have already heard that on tuesday uh, cineworld announced that we would not be opening any of our cinemas in the uk or the us until uh, july 31st a couple of reasons behind that um the first one major one is that tenet has now moved to the 12th of august and mulan has moved to the 19th of august uh, the other big thing really is to do with the U.S. Now, the U.S. has seen several spikes in the last uh, week or two in certain uh, states. Um, that has caused a lot of um, nervousness amongst uh, distributors. And I think that, you know, it's a fair point uh, that they wouldn't really want to open a film where let's pretend that 50 percent of the U.S. was shut down. And I think that's a large chunk of box office that the distributors can't afford to kind of let go at this stage hence the reason for the movement and genuinely i think that if it was just down to the uk i think we could have opened on the 10th and i think it would have been fine but i think that with the developments in the us i think that the wisest decision was to to push it back and i think it gives us a little bit of time now tris as well i think it gives um us a chance to kind of look at how other um exhibitors open their cinemas in the next uh week or two and we can look at you know how they're doing it and we can kind of make some learnings and it gives us a chance to make sure that the staff get that extra uh, bit of training uh, for when we do reopen and uh you know we can get our our lists built of all the new films that are going to be ready for there uh, to make sure that we are as ready as we can be for the 31st of july so just jumping on um what i said then there are a couple of exhibitors that are opening their cinema doors uh, from this coming saturday the 4th of july um a couple of reasons behind that um they they went on sale with films uh, for a couple of weeks before the uh, announcement that tenet was moving um and then obviously before the announcement that mulan was moving as well so i think that they felt committed um to opening on the 4th 
Um, and I think for them, it's a, an opportunity to kind of see how it all opens. They aren't opening their entire circuit. Uh, so I think over the next two to three weeks, they will be. Um, but like I said, it gives us a great opportunity to do some, uh, you know, looking in on the cinemas, seeing how they're doing it. And, you know, gives us that that opportunity to make sure that we are in the best place possible for when we do reopen on the 31st. So, yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, I would say. Um, I built uh, an entire lineup for our entire circuit, uh, ready to go for the 10th of July, uh, and <laughs> effectively had to throw that all into the bin uh, and start again uh, for the 31st of July. But I think that what I would say is that the lineup of films that we do have on the 31st of July when we do reopen is looking incredible. Uh, so to give you an idea of it, I was looking this morning um when we do reopen, we've got a couple of new films. The first one's Unhinged, which is the Russell Crowe film uh, that I actually watched uh, earlier in the week. Um, it's absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's going to be perfect for unlimited card holders. Uh, I think I messaged you at the time, Tristan, and said that Russell. it looked like Russell Crowe had eaten John Goodman um, <laughs> before he starred in the role. But uh, yeah, it's absolutely fine. It's, it's tense. It uh, makes you uncomfortable at times. But it's, uh, it's all about road rage. It's... Uh, yeah, it uh, gives you an insight to probably what it's like driving around London most of the time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's obviously it's not based in London. It's it's based in the US. But um, so that film's coming. We've got Proxima as well. That's a new film uh, that Picture House are releasing from the 31st of July. Um, we've then got the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh, we've got the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, we've got the 10th anniversary uh, 10 year anniversary of inception um that's going to be releasing everywhere we've got films like shawshank redemption goodfellas uh lots of back catalog stuff that's going to be great and we we are throwing in some of the uh stuff that we have playing in february and march that maybe some people didn't have the the chance or the time to see um when they first came out in the cinema so we've got like sonic the hedgehog onward uh we've got other bits and bobs like military wives bloodshot uh, dark waters uh, you know lots of uh product that potentially people didn't get the chance to see first time around that they will have what that means is that lineups are going to be all over the shop and you know every single day our lineups will be different which i think will give us an edge uh, over our competitors when we do reopen so yeah 31st of july is our new datress um you know the good news for you is it does give you another couple of weeks off uh it does give you another couple of weeks to carry on watching films i know that you would prefer to be uh back working uh in a capacity that i am but uh soon enough we will be there and you know i think that if there are any more pushes um then i think it will be mainly down to what happens in the u.s um and we just keep an eye on that over the next two to three weeks and we will see where we're at and maybe we'll have a, an update in two weeks time but hopefully the update that we have in two weeks time is that we are motoring on full steam ahead towards a july 31st reopen mm. uh yeah sorry so, I, was, I was just gonna say yeah. fingers crossed that we, we we can actually stick to that so uh uh, yeah, be looking to join you uh, mid-July and, and, and start getting back into the, the whole work mode rather than film watching mode. 
not that film not that film watching mode is a bad place to be it's uh you know i think that over the past three or four months you've probably watched a hundred films Tris, i'd imagine but uh and i'm sure some people some of the staff out there have, have done similar and you know the amount of tv shows that people have caught up on and um you know probably had a very different way of life uh the past three or four months it's uh sometimes it's a nice chance to reflect upon uh everything and then see how you can make changes in your life but that's going a bit deep, isn't it? I don't know why I'm going into that. But um, talk to me Talk to me about your past two weeks, Tris. Obviously, we, we've not spoken on the podcast. I know we've spoken outside of that. I don't want people to think that I've been ignoring you as a person and as a friend. Um, but, uh, yeah, talk to me about your past two weeks. What have you been watching? What have you been catching up on? I'm sorry, who are you again? No, I'm kidding. Hey, of course. Yes, we, we, we do. <laughs> that, that's just your old age kicking you again. I'm Stuart. Oh, Stuart, <laughs> Stuart, Stuart. I remember young Michael Stewart. Uh, yeah, obviously we, we chat intermittently, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird that it's been a, a, a two week gap. Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel like two weeks. So time just seems to be functioning on a different level at the moment. Well, uh, during the course of uh, lockdown and quarantine, but um, yeah, over the last two weeks, apart from getting myself sunburnt, I've uh, been keeping up watching a lot of stuff. I, I won't go through everything because I'll probably bore myself, not just everyone else, uh, with the <laughs> amount of stuff that I've been watching. But uh, as I said to you last time i've been trying to go out my way to watch new product new films so that um yeah maybe stuff that you haven't seen well there's a lot of old stuff you haven't seen it's very likely yeah, exactly but but too. maybe uh stuff that people might be thinking about catching and yeah if, if, if my opinion sways you to watch something or doesn't sway you to watch something i mean hopefully you'd still watch something if you're interested in it uh hopefully our rather scathing reviews of uh, artemis fowl two weeks ago haven't put people off uh if they're interested in it they have you know dialed in and i'm sure they would have yeah. people can make up their own minds that's the exactly beauty of exactly so um i've just um cherry-picked uh, a few new films that i've seen i'm going to start with the the, the ones that i was unfortunately not impressed with and i was disappointed with the uh, first film is line of duty which stars erin Eckhart as a disgraced cop uh teaming up with a couple of online news bloggers um it happens just as he's taken down a suspect in a kidnapping um the, the suspect that he actually ends up shooting and killing this is at the start of the film so it's no spoilers but he's the only one who can actually lead the police to where this missing girl is uh then it's a race against time after that for him and these bloggers who are filming everything that he's doing to try and track down the missing girl um i'm a big fan of erin eckhart i think he's a really good actor and I, I, the premise sounded really sweet but it just fails on every level it's really badly scripted it's it's really kind of painful in places to watch and and it does seem to be just one long running continuous running sequence with a few fights thrown in and quite clearly erin eckhart's not he's just not young enough to be considered an action star anymore it's like really you're you're doing all this stuff and you're not even winded yet you're sweating a lot it it's, it's just so implausible huh. and just there's so many bad moments in the film um that i i, I just kind of i wanted to give up halfway through which is very rare for me but uh, yeah a bit of a disappointment um the other film that i saw was uh, again i was disappointed with was uh the five bloods which is the new spike lee movie um Delroy right. Lindo uh, leads a fantastic uh, cast of top actors. It's the story of four ex-Vietnam US vets, plus Delroy Lindo's character, Paul, his son, David, who returned, hence the Five Bloods, uh, returned to uh, Vietnam to recover the remains of their squad leader, who in flashbacks is played by Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther and from 21 Bridges. Um, and they, uh, they also want to find some gold bullion that they set aside for themselves at the uh, uh, during the... the, the uh, 
Vietnam conflict. So very reminiscent of Three Kings, for instance, where those uh, Marines troop, yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah, troopers yeah. kind of. Good film as well. That was uh, George Clooney, Mark. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, uh, David O. Russell film as well. Uh, out there, I think it, I think he won Oscars yeah. as well. But the, the, the problem I found with uh, The Five Bloods mm. is, first of all, it's too long. It's two and a half hours. Um, Spike Lee is is uh, a very uh, proactive filmmaker. He's not scared to voice his opinions. And what he did so magnificently with Black Handsman a couple of years ago, he unfortunately seems to just go the opposite direction in this. It feels like it's a preachy message movie to you. And that bit kind of uh, that kind of got to me thinking, just just make a film that's entertaining and, and have your message in there, which is what he did with Black Klansman. But he doesn't do that with Five Bloods. It's it, it really stands out. And it's and the film's all over the place. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a comedy, a drama, a message movie. And it doesn't morph those elements together very, very well either. Um, I mean, like. It is, a, it is a shame. And one of the things that really put me off, and uh, I know you've not seen this yet, and uh, to anyone who hasn't seen it, you may now notice it even more so than I did. But um, as I say, there are some flashback sequences where Chadwick Boseman plays this young squad leader. Uh, and who, who, yeah, no spoilers, but he does die in, back in Nam. But the, <gasps> but the four guys, the older guys. I am your father. No, it's not Darth Vader. It's Chadwick oh, Boseman. Sorry. You're, no, wrong film. You're getting wrong your film, franchise way mixed up. Um, but Delroy, Lindo's Paul, and the rest of the guys, they're all in their 70s, and they're played by actors in their 70s, and so all the modern stuff's fine. But the first time they flash back to Vietnam, you've got young Chadwick Boseman running around, and then you've got the same actors playing themselves as 20-year-olds back in the early 70s. And for me, that just did not work. That completely stripped me out of the film. It's like, why didn't you recast? Why didn't you get four actors who could play the younger... Uh, we're talking a 45, 50-year gap here. It's ridiculous. And for someone of Spike Lee's talent, uh, or, or maybe just he hired the wrong casting agent, I just don't get why they didn't do that. Uh, and that's one of the many flaws of this film um, that I, I just couldn't get along with. So uh, very disappointed. I'd rather watch Black Clansman again, to be honest. Um, rather, which is a, which brilliant, is a brilliant film. film and unfortunately, brilliant. this one, and it, it does tie into the whole Black Matters movement at the moment. But there are some scenes that have been kind of shot after the film was done and tacked on, and you feel that they've been tacked on as well. So, again, rather than just create, crafting a very entertaining film with a message, it becomes all a political and a message all the way through, which is, is a real shame. And I, I felt it was a bit unnecessary. Uh, but on the flip side of that, Fair on enough. the flip side of that, some films that I have really thoroughly enjoyed this past week. Um, first of all, uh, a new film that's uh, dropped on a streaming service called 7500. Uh, you may have heard of this, Stu. In fact, I believe you have. You, I know you've not seen it, but I think you've You've heard of it, right? With uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah. Yeah, we got an email about it a couple oh, of weeks right. ago, I think. <laughs> did we? Oh, crikey. Uh, wasn't it from Isaac? Yes, that's Jeffrey right. That's right. It. Sorry. Um, he did actually inspire me to to, to watch the film. So I, I sometimes see emails and I just kind of write little notes down and then I'll come back to the note a few days later and go, hey, what? oh, OK, maybe I'll watch this film. Hey, I sat out in the sun for four hours and sunburnt myself. My, my mental stability is quite clearly not at the height of efficiency. Um, but very, very, yeah. very bad. But uh, Gordon Levitt plays a co-pilot of a flight that's coming out of Germany, which is bordered by a terrorist right at the start of the film. Um, it's a very claustrophobic film. It's only really um, the one location, and that's the cockpit of the aircraft where uh, Joseph 
Gordon Lovett's character, Tobias, has locked to the door and he's trying to keep the terrorists out because if they get into the cockpit, they take over the plane and end of the film. So uh, it's a real kind of cat and mouse thing where uh, the terrorists are doing their stuff on the plane and, and Tobias is doing everything he can to maintain control of the situation. It's a very different type of action film. It's very well acted, very well shot. Uh, and there's even a little bit of uh, Stockholm syndrome going in there as well when Tobias confronts a, a very young terrorist who realizes that not everything he's been told is correct in this mission to take over the plane. Um, really, really mm. good film, and I highly recommend it. Um, another film that I've seen, uh, similar to you with Unhinged, where uh, you got the, the very good fortune to see a film in advance. Um, I've seen a film that's going to be released by Lionsgate in October called The Courier. Uh, it stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Buckley. Uh, it's set in 1962. Two, great two actors, fantastic right? actors, and I, and, I, and I must say they are absolutely brilliant in this film. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch plays a salesman, a very ordinary, standard English salesman, who is drawn into the Cold War by the CIA and MI6 as a liaison with a high-ranking official in the military um, Russian military complex. There's basically a guy in Russia who has all these details and all these military secrets. He wants to defect to the West, but he needs to do it that's yeah, not going to get himself shot or killed. Um the uh, character played by Cumberbatch, uh, Gre uh, Greville Wynn, he naturally goes to uh, Russia on his business trips all the time. So he's the perfect cover to act as, like, say, this liaison. Uh, President Khrushchev at the time was a loose cannon and this uh, that could have sent the world into World War Three. In fact, the Cuban Missile Crisis is uh, one of the, the cornerstones of the, of the story arc. But I won't say anything much more than that. It's, it's a riveting uh, film. It's an intelligent uh, spy thriller. And again, for our unlimited crowd, come October, when you've got big superhero film at the start of October and the end of October, lots of horror films and other genre-type films, uh, this offers a very good alternative for, our, uh, for all our customers, not just the unlimited card holders, of course, but for all customers to go and see something that's uh, got a bit more gravitas to it. And um, Cumberbatch is fantastic. In fact, the last forty-five minutes is pretty much Oscar bait uh, kind of kind of stuff. I thought he was magnificent in it. So uh, the Courier wants to look out for in October. And then finally, complete mm -hmm. different end of the spectrum is a comedy that I've looked forward to for uh, quite a while now, and uh, it dropped this week. Um, I enjoyed it so much. I watched it twice on the same day. And I know that our pre-podcast recording we chatted about this Stu because uh, I know you want to yeah. see it. Uh, the film that I would recommend this week, this is my high recommendation of the week, uh, or the next fortnight, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Now, let me just say that I'm a big fan of Will Ferrell. I like his humour. I like his films. Um, even some of the lesser known ones or the lesser funny ones, but films like Elf and Talladega uh, Nights, um, Blades of Glory, yeah. all those kind of films. I, I, I remember... Step Brothers. Yeah, and I remember when he cameoed in, in like the very first Austin Powers film, he stood out as a comedic actor that I really liked straight away. So I admit I'm a big fan. Um, I also like Rachel McAdams. She's one of my favourite actresses. And there's a UK uh, actor in there called Dan Stevens, who um, he actually steals the movie. It's, it's, it's superb. I thoroughly love this. It's a film that does that. It, it, takes the, it takes a lot for a film to mesh two things together and make it work. And two of the things that I think are very difficult is for a film to spoof something and to sort of take the mickey out of it slightly and point the, the spotlight on it, but also to revere it and to honour it and actually respect it at the same time. I think that's a, a very tricky balance. For me personally, Eurovision gets it right. If you 
if you like okay. me, uh, in the 70s, 80s, you grew up watching Eurovision Song Contest every year and you loved it. You loved how crazy and OTT it was and the songs aren't that great, but some are actually toe tappers. I mean, I remember ABBA were famous for their um, participation of Eurovision. It made them, basically. Bucks Fizz in 1981, uh, where the UK won, uh, mainly because they... Do you, mm. Did you... Tris, just to interrupt, sorry... Do you watch Eurovision every year? I, I, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, I I do like it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's funny how uh, the the UK always gets yes, zero points, it, right? it is because uh, as many people have pointed out, it's more of a political thing. Uh, sometimes we've had some great entries and some not so great entries. That's the thing about Eurovision is that a lot of people take it seriously, especially in Europe. They put to, they actually try to put forward their best artists and their best songs, their best endeavors. Here in the UK, we've always kind of oh, we love it, we enjoy it, but you don't want any big names. I remember famously when Pet, the Pet Shop Boys turned down the chance to represent our country because they thought no, that that's a step back in our career. That's how they viewed it. We don't want to do that because we if we don't win what's that going to say you know we're we're one of the biggest fans in the 80s and there's i mean bucks fizz they were nobodies they that made their career and uh uh, i think the last time we won was 97 when katrina and the waves actually won it with a song uh and they were famous in the 80s of course so they kind of broke the mold but yeah traditionally it's now become a thing where the uk uh is is not regarded very highly and nobody votes for us and we we never really win but people still enjoy watching it you know graham norton is the uh, host and compo now terry wogan was the man who was the, the voice who would compare it for for decades and i remember listening to him and just he was so funny because again he he used to take the mickey out of it slightly and graham norton does the same thing yeah, and that's yeah. half the entertainment um but I, what I must say about this film is it's funny. Uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams are brilliant together as Lars and Sigrid, uh, two childhood friends who want to win the Eurovision Song Contest for Iceland. They get their opportunity. Um, there's some great music, Stu. There is a song in there called Ya Ya Ding Dong, which is going to be an absolute brain worm. Uh, it's a fantastic little number. Oh, wow. um, and the final song as well is excellent. There's actually quite a lot of pathos and heart to this film. Um, and like I say, Dan Stevens just steals the movie. He plays uh, the Russian singer Alexander Lemtov. And when he sings Lion of Love, which is kind of his entry into the Eurovision Song Contest, you'll, you'll rethink... Uh, what the Lion King means to you uh, while he's doing that song. It's so absurd, yet so Eurovision, and in many ways, absolutely brilliant. Plus, you... I, lo- I love that this is your film yeah. of the week. I love well, it. I the mean, thing... I mean, people might have already seen it. Like, I mean, if you have, let us know. And uh, I'm definitely going to be watching this over please, the next week. Trace. Please I do. And, and uh... watch it with that hint of, this is this is a comedy, it's a spoof, it's meant, you know, it, it's not meant to be serious, but at the same time, they do actually... Um, have a lot of respect for it uh, and i think that's because will ferrell himself loves eurovision and he's wanted to do this film for for quite some time now uh listen out for piers brosnan who plays um will ferrell's dad in the film his rather interesting take on the Icelandic uh accent in fact they've all got kind of strange accents but again that's part of the he, joke he, lo- he loves a good accent he, yeah he really, doesn't he? i don't Mia. think you'll love his accent in this but that's kind of almost part of the comedy um there is this wonderful couple of moments in the film where um will ferrell an american playing the this guy who's from Iceland roasts a group of American tourists and says all these things that Europeans don't like about Americans. It's genuinely funny, uh, especially during the end credits. Yeah. And yet you, at the back of you thinking, but Will, you're, you're American. This, this is very clever. It's very meta. Um, 
and, and yeah, yeah I, like I, do, I do as well. So yeah, people, by all means, uh, Cine Family, email us in and tell us your thoughts of Eurovision. If you didn't like it, what you didn't like about it, but if you love it as well, uh, then then please let us know. Like I say, I watched it twice in one day. I could happily watch it again and genuinely find it hilarious and, and an involving film. So so yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of what I've been watching over the last couple of weeks. Um, how about yourself, Stu? You mentioned Unhinged. Have you had any, Have you watched anything else? Yeah, uh, I, I'm just going to go back to you really quickly, just because I know that, uh, well, when we spoke last time, I was working my way through the Star Wars universe. I think I'd done the first five. Uh, but since then, we've watched six, seven, eight and nine. So we have finished them. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I just I really it frustrated me a little bit because I thought back of all the negative comments that people have put out there about. Um, eight and nine and you know getting upset about it and you know going online and saying we need to remove this film and actually there's some really really good bits in in um, The Last Jedi um, and even Rise of the Skywalker I think the thing is it's very difficult when you first release uh, three films and you release four five and six knowing that you're then going to have to well at the time you obviously didn't know but knowing i guess past that that then you have to release one two and three and then seven eight and nine so it's always trying to continue a story or to link a story that has already been told so perfectly um without upsetting anyone and generally if you watch it and don't pretend that you own four, five, and six because you don't. It was watched during your childhood or, you know, when you were younger. But if you go, if you'd never seen any of them and you go back and watch them as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's actually incredibly enjoyable. Uh, the journey that it takes you on is great. And I think that, listen, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, I fully get that. But I think that if you're going to sit there and say that that film needs to be remade or this needs to happen or you've ruined my childhood, then in my opinion, actually, you don't enjoy cinema <laughs> and you're just one of those people that are going to sit there and moan about it no matter what. Um, but, you know, like I said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But for me, as a series, as a one to nine, I, I just think that you can't not sit there and enjoy all of them. I think that, yes, okay, there's a couple in there that are a little bit weaker than others, but I think as a whole, it's very, very good, very enjoyable, and I can't say a bad word about it. But the reason that I kind of was mentioning that one first is because when we spoke earlier, you said to me, uh, that you finally caught up on the Mandalorian, is that right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, sorry, there's just a couple of things as you were um, chatting there. Um, first of all, because um, you've watched it the whole saga now, the nine part saga in this way, but with Frankie who hadn't seen most of those components, most of those films, um, do you now see a, a is, is that why you feel this way now? Because you've seen it almost through Frankie's eyes, like because she was watching that for the first time. Yeah, I think so to an extent. I mean, I think that, you know, for her, it's very different. Like she said that she enjoyed one, two and three more than she did four, five and six and seven, eight and nine. Oh, but, how interesting that is. That's amazing. But, but that's, but that's because that's the order yeah. you watched them in. And maybe that's, you know, the journey you get taken on in that sense. But even watching Last Jedi together, there are some scenes in that that honestly are so incredible. Like the the, the bit where I can't even remember what the captain's name is, but when she goes into mm -hmm. light speed and, you know, takes that ship out to save the others. That is I, re I still remember watching that in IMAX um, in Cineworld Leicester Square when that first came out. And when it happens is pure silence and it goes through it. And I just sat there thinking, yeah. wow, 
this is incredible that they've decided that that is a moment they're going to pick and there's no sound on it at all when it's happened but it speaks volumes and if you can sit in a cinema screen with zero sound and just have a collective gasp that for me is doing something right um and i think that that tells you everything you need to know about it so well i had um, a similar experience when that f- film came out again in imax at leicester square unfortunately uh, i had a, a muppet a few rows behind me go sounds good off <laughs> no and and even and, and this was the first time i was watching i was thinking no this is on purpose you've just spoiled possibly one of the finest moments in star wars which for me um yeah i personally i love last jedi i love it for all the reasons a lot of star wars fans hate it they uh, again you were mentioning in your little chat there about um how people uh, were quite derogatory towards uh, yeah the prequels i've done it myself it, it, i i I'm, hold my hands up to that never on the internet just when I'm, i've been talking with friends but um and the recent uh, sequels as well have also come under heavy fire uh, it, it it's there's a whole there's this huge group of star wars like toxic star wars fans who just seem to go out of the way and because it's not episode four five six because that's part of their childhood and like you say they feel some kind of ownership over it they they they're just so belligerent and just so venomous in in their opinions and and sometimes doing it i think for the sake of it I personally love The Last Jedi for many, many reasons. And because it, it, it just flips everything on its head. But then the, the toxic fans come out and they complain and they whinge about it. And then Ryan Johnson has to almost backpedal and go, oh, well, we're going to fix these things in the next one. It's like, no, you don't, you don't have to no, fix anything. You, to. you made a decision as a filmmaker. That was, the, that was the vision of Star Wars that you wanted to present. And thank God you did something a bit different. You know, you killed off Snoke. You, you, you added all these things uh, about... Um, Luke's character that a lot of people didn't like. Um, I love how all these fans kicked off about oh the Jedi the Jedi don't run away and hide on a planet and keep out of the uh, the what's going on in the world. What well, Yoda did that. Um, Obi Wan did that. I mean, go back to the original trilogy. You're sliding yeah. off a new version of the, a new Star Wars film for all the for some of the reasons that you applaud the original so stop it um, but one thing that I do think uh, is, is quite prevalent with Star Wars, like you say. The, the, the 70s and the 80s was episode four, five, six. It was then almost 20, it was 16, 17 years later when we got episodes one, two, three. And then it was like a further decade when we got seven, eight, nine. It's a generational thing. Yeah. It's it's purely generational. Those people in my age bracket, and again, I, I felt kind of disappointed by the prequels, but people who watch the stuff in the 70s and the 80s, they do feel some kind of... Um, ownership over it and um they feel so their noises nose are so put out of disjoint when oh that's not the star wars i was expecting well i don't like it it's like no you've got to enjoy it for what it is and you you star wars fan so you know i don't kind of understand why you're turning against it so much and then the same thing happened again with the new there there are like isaac for instance for him the prequels are brilliant he loves them but that's because he's a younger lad than us and that was probably his first time watching star wars so for him yeah episodes one two three was his introduction for me four five six and again i i personally have over the years i've grown to like the prequels a lot more um but and, and seven six uh, sorry seven eight and nine you know the recent sequels again come under a lot of fire but you think about all those kids and and to everyone out there in cine family from 2015 onwards has seen that massive families every two years coming to see force awakens last jedi and rise of the skywalker all with kids who are probably seeing star wars for the very first time and loving it this is going to be their star wars their, their introduction to star wars and like frank 
I, yeah, I, and, I, I agree. And like I Frankie, fully agree. they may and go back think... and not consider the the stuff from the 80s or even the noughties that great, but they'll always have the love for the, the first time they saw Star Wars. I think I think that's pure cinema, having that experience there. I, I, I just, I don't disagree with anything you've said. And I think that realistically, the beauty of the movies is that everyone's allowed an opinion and that's absolutely fine. But I think that if you are going to be that, you know, opinionated in a negative way about a film then i i genuinely feel sorry for people that do that because i think that they are purposely going out of their way because it wasn't like the old ones and look that's all i'll say on it tris because we could probably talk about an hour for uh, about star wars but um yeah so we caught up on all of them um other films that i've watched not too much i really want to catch up on the uh, eurovision one for sure um we watched shooter last night which is the um mark Wahlberg one uh where he gets framed for assassinating the president um really good film actually really really yeah, like that film i'm a massive fan of Wahlberg. um anyway so uh that was very much enjoyable um but like i say yeah not too much um i haven't even really been catching up on tv that much um just because it's been busier and i think the premiership's been back as well so i've watched a a few games of that so congratulations by the way to any liverpool fans that are listening um I know we've got a couple of the guys um, that support Liverpool uh, and I know that Mookie is uh, certainly a Liverpool fan. So uh, whilst he'd love to get the cinemas open uh, a lot earlier, he was certainly pleased that Liverpool managed to win the Premier League for sure. Uh, Me and you, Tris, uh, haven't really talked much about football because I'm a Spurs fan and you're a Sheffield United fan. Uh, Neither of us have really had the best starts to coming back. Uh, And in fact... In about an hour's time, uh, we are playing one another at Bramall. Are we? Lane, so, oh, I, I, I better get my boots. Oh, no, you mean Spurs versus Blaze. Yeah, sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. So we'll see what happens in two weeks' time when uh, we re-record uh, uh, episode 11. Uh, we'll see what happens to us. Hopefully we're still friends at that point. So fingers crossed it's a draw. <laughs> um, what else have I been doing? Uh, not too much, really. Like I said, lineups, gearing up for that 31st of july opening um bit of football uh and i lots more golf uh as uh you know i'm a very keen golfer uh and on monday i did some i've been playing golf for 30 years tris and on monday i got my very first hole in one of my life i got a hole in one on a par three 143 yards uh hit a pitching wedge bounced twice that went is fan- oh that's amazing fantastic <clears throat> but, thank you very much i appreciate that was that. a little it's, golf uh, clap it's a high highlight of my highlight of my golfing career so far that's great. So. i can't believe i can't believe you've been playing three decades and you've never managed to hold in one before i know that you are not only have you got a love for golf but you're actually pretty darn good because quite often you uh you go back to weymouth and you're involved in competition actual competitions um that you know it's not like you're just having a, a mess about and a muck about with your friends or i know you play a lot of golf with your, your dad as well who's a big golf fan but yeah to actually be in competition and, and you know the whole team is always like so how do you do you know when you're in on the back in on a monday it's like so how do you do it's like oh we won it's like oh my god that's amazing we, we've got a sports <laughs> star in our midst you know and i know how, how i i, I how wouldn't go that way, but yes i appreciate I appreciate the sentiment and uh, it was certainly a nice moment. Uh, and I hope that the positivity continues uh, over the next week, two or even three. Uh, and obviously we get closer towards that 31st of July opening. Oh, you keep playing your golf, matey. But just to finish off, as you were doing that on Monday, I know you mentioned it a few moments ago. 
I have finally watched The Mandalorian. So um, absolutely adored it. All eight episodes in one day. Um, it, it does dawn on me that I watched it on a Monday. So it was a Mandalorian Monday marathon. Mum, 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 mum. <laughs> Casey would love me in marketing. You're going to have to I tell you what, you you would be sorted in marketing because they love an acronym. So you you you'd be perfect in that. I'll I'll have a web case here if you fancy. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I will look forward to that. Oh wait, are you trying to get rid of me out of the team? <laughs> is, is that is that is that what just happened here? Just... No, no, we're good. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So yeah, um, it's taken me a while to get around to it, but if um, if you're a big Star Wars fan, or even if you're not, um. Give Mandalorian a go. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Each episode feels like a mini movie. I know you really enjoyed it. You you are fast becoming a Star Wars mm. fan, but um, I, I I'm not going to ever admit. That. <laughs> well, you did admit it on a podcast, and it's there recorded forever now. But and you can't re-edit it that one, unfortunately. But it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely superb. And for for me, this is just my personal opinion. I think it's the best Star Wars since the original trilogy because it just works on so many levels. And I can't wait for season two, which is going to be out in October. Um, and absolutely brilliant. And the cast as well was amazing. I, mean, I think Pedro Pascal is superb, even though 99.999% yeah. of the time he doesn't take the helmet off. Carl Weathers, Gina Carano's in there. Werner Herzog as the clients, as like the main sort of baddie. Yeah. And my personal favourite, Nick Nolte. I, I didn't even realise it was actually him at first. <laughs> I was thinking, trying to, where is that voice? I know that voice, I know, but I'm, I can't look past the, the CGI animatronic um, character that I've got in front of me. And then he, it, I, it got right up to a point where I thought, this alien actually looks like mcnulty i wonder if it's him and then his name came up in the credits at the end and i was like nah, brilliant um also he has a he has a great saying in it as well and i think that when we go back to the office uh whenever that ends up being i think you need to start using this so whenever you make a point you then need to stand up and say i have spoken <laughs> yes. and ride off on a very strange two-legged beast type thing that that looks like russell crowe who has eaten john goodman um yes i have spoken i love that from going forward this is the way thank you again to everyone that has emailed us over the past two weeks uh, we do really appreciate it uh, like tris had mentioned earlier we are going to now be doing these every two weeks uh, so please do keep emailing us uh, tell us your top threes or uh, what you're most looking forward to when you come back to the cinema anything whatsoever i think tris is going to make a suggestion as well during this period so the first email that i am going to talk about uh, today is from dan haney dan is a team leader at western supermare so hello to you dan uh, uh, he wants to say that he's been listening to all the podcasts. He's been really enjoying them during this weird period, which is a fair point. Uh, he's also said he hopes that we continue to do these once we reopen. Uh, the good news is that Tris and I are going to continue to do these. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be every two weeks. Um, and then I think once we're fully, fully open and uh, we're a bit into it, maybe we'll do it once a month. But we will also talk about box office results as well, just to kind of give everyone an update on where we are on them. Uh, Dan says he's probably the first and only member from uh, staff from Western to email us. Uh, so uh, please take note. And apparently you have to go and visit them, Tris, to say that they are indeed your favorite Cineworld cinema. Oh, well, uh, Western so... Supermare is my favorite Cineworld cinema. And yes, I guess that's on the list of 550 cinemas I need to go and visit. I'm very excited to send you there, Tris. Um, <laughs> he also sent over his Desert Island films um, and his top one. Uh, sorry, I'll go three to one. So three is Deadpool. Uh, which is a great oh. shout. Obviously, very big surprise when that kind of came out. Um, 
back in the day. Number two is Back to the Future, which will be very exciting for you, Dan, because you get to go and see the 35th anniversary of it when it uh, reopens in uh, cinemas when we do reopen. And then his number one was actually Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, oh, wow. Which obviously was a very, very good film when it came out uh, a couple of years back, but um, obviously must be a big Queen fan. Um, obviously the music in it is incredible. So fair play to you on that one, Dan. He said that he does have an additional note for you, Tris. Um, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yes! So Dan, you can you. you can put Dan Haney officially in the Die Hard being a Christmas movie list. So thanks for your email, Dan. Please stay safe. Keep watching films. Uh, and I hope that we get to see you soon. Uh, Tris, how about you? Uh, yeah, got an email through from uh, Matt Bayliss, who is GM of Rugby. So a big hi to Matt and to the whole team at Rugby, my favourite single cinema. Uh, he did actually mention about Artemis Fowl, of course, a couple of weeks ago. We were both not exactly fans of that film. Uh, but he said that his young lad, Noah, who's nine, watched it and actually did really enjoy it. So uh, I guess at nine years old, he's not seen that many films. So one of my big bugbears of Artemis was that it just, stole from so many other franchises but yeah Noah's probably not seen even like a hundredth of what I have and so therefore it was all brand new to him so he'll uh, learn he'll yeah. learn <laughs> well no good good that it's a, a different more positive uh, perspective of the film so uh, thank you for that Matt uh, but also uh, he, he sent through his top three as well and he said that he had such a tough time coming up with this um, which as we discussed it is kind of tough on a different day you can have a completely different top three and Matt actually does go into lots of different versions of what his top three could be but um, he didn't actually put them in a number order so I don't know if uh, I'm just going to read these out as he put them in his email because like I say there's no one two three or three two one next to them so Matt apologies but well you wrote the email um, uh, so the first one is Mission Impossible Fallout, which great choice. Um, I would say that that is the best mission impossible. I think you and I still had that discussion when the first. Wait, out a couple what of years number ago. is that? Is that four? Uh, no, the fifth, the last one that came out was it oh, six? See, I would say <laughs> number three is the best with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh wow, that's a great choice. Yeah, uh, I think for me personally, for Mission Impossible, the only one that I was not that keen on was Mission Impossible Two because it didn't feel like a Mission Impossible film. It just felt like another John Woo film um, rather than a Mission Impossible. I've always called it Mission Possible because at no point did I think that Ethan or any of the characters were in any kind of danger. But Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, that's a cracking one. That was J.J. Abrams, of course. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The stakes are so high, especially when his wife's involved. Uh, and, of course, he has to go running. There's that amazing tracking shot of about 50 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he gets blown into the car. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, and the one on the bridge where he gets blown into the car. is Brilliant. So, yeah. But Mission Impossible Fallout, which was the last mission uh, released a couple of years ago. It's personal, thought... personal choices, Tristan. In yeah. Fairness, I... There's nothing wrong with Fallout at all. I just preferred the third one. No, fair enough. I, I, but I, I personally would agree with that. I thought Fallout was absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to seven and eight in the next couple of years. The next film, which is one I think we can all agree on, is absolutely deserved, is Wolf of Wall Street. Um, yeah. Absolutely cracking film. And then one that I know that you will love, Stu, uh, his third choice was Coach Carter. Oh, good film. Really yeah. good film. Yeah. Again, um, another one of these sports themed films that I know you absolutely love. Yeah. It's a good film. Samuel L. Jackson's incredible in that as well. It's so oh. good. Absolutely, it's fantastic. But then Matt does go on to say, it's like, I could easily swap any of these out for uh, five different MCU films or for The Dark Knight or for Rogue One, which is his favourite Star Wars film. And I have to say, my top three Star Wars films would contain Rogue One because I thought that was superb. But he even mentions films like, uh, for a comedy, he, he really loved Liar Liar. Um, for an action film and one of the his favourite films with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Walking Tall, 
which is actually one of the first films he did back in the noughties. Um, it's a good little film, but I, I'm really surprised that that would be in somebody's all-time top three, but uh, kudos to you, Matt, for that. Uh, but he also mentioned Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was uh, the third film in the franchise, released in 1989. And uh, Matt said that this was one of the uh, first films that he ever saw. Uh, Stu and I discussed this a couple of weeks ago about what we saw. Stu uh, saw Kindergarten Cop. That was the first film he ever saw in the cinema. For me, uh, because I went back to the 70s and it was a lot of Disney re-releases, I can't actually quite remember the first film I saw in a cinema. Um, something like Dumbo or Robin Hood or The Aristocats, I, I, I genuinely can't remember. But what I want to throw out... To it was you, a long time ago, I'm fairly It was a know. very... A long time ago in a galaxy far, far, well, in a northern city far, far away. Um, I want to throw out to uh, all the city family in the next couple of weeks as we go through July. I uh, want to hear back from you guys. What was your first cinematic experience? What Can you remember what the very first film was you saw as a child? Or maybe the first time you got to see a 15 rated film or the first time you got to see an 18 rated film? Uh, because I'm going to share this now with you. Um, when I was <clears throat> 17, just a couple of months shy of my 18th birthday, I did get in to see Born on the 4th of july uh in the early part of 1990 so um <laughs> luckily that wasn't a cine world cinema because no. we like to uh, make sure that we id everyone and obviously whoever you went to isn't wasn't keen on that back in the day C certainly not in uh, back, back into the 80s and the 90s so uh th there is a story behind that but i can save that for another podcast but um when i started working at cine world uh, i i was quite um, i was quite tough on checking birthdays and an id ironically um so I, but i was a young 17 year old i was crazy man it was the 80s i don't know what i'm doing a voice but um i'm not you know. sure either yeah, so um, that's our we've, little um, we've made this request out to everybody this week. Uh, let's do and I know what your first cinematic experience was, or if you can't remember that far back, like some people, uh, what was your first 15 rated film when, oh, I'm 15, what can I go see now? Or even 18, actually going to see uh, an adult themed film for the first time. So please email us uh, at myself, tristian.cooper at cinema.co.uk or stuart at stuart.crane at cinema.co.uk. And in a couple of weeks, hopefully we'll have lots of uh, first-time cinema experiences to share with everybody. So one email that I didn't read out, Tris, that we did receive last week was from uh, Mr. Peter Dale uh, from the North East. I believe he's a Newcastle United fan. Um, and yeah. I'm sure you recall, but Newcastle beat Sheffield United 3-0 Mm -hmm. uh, about a week ago and Peter Dow emailed us and asked us about the game which I thought was very <laughs> mean if I'm honest with you because I'm confident he knew the score already um, but uh, you know I think that we have to send you up to Newcastle at some point uh, you know and uh, well Bolden and you can go and see Peter and tell him that Bolden is not your favourite cinema cinema. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I know Peter's a Newcastle fan. Of course, Matt Bailey, who works in the film team, is uh, also a Newcastle fan. And we were chatting about leading up to the game and after the game. I mean, uh, Blades have not started off uh, that well since uh, the lockdown and coming back and Premier League starting again. Uh, but Newcastle were just better than us and um, they kind of deserve the points. So, I can't really argue about it too much. It is a little bit depressing, but you you know from Spurs, you've not exactly been on fire since coming back. And uh, yeah, the, the the minutes are ticking down, Stu. We're getting close. Uh, kickoffs are uh, going to be happening soon. But um, anyway, Peter, thank you, mate. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually looking forward to going back up to the northeast, having a couple of pints with Pete, and just uh, uh, shooting the old skeet and having a little chat about stuff. And I'm sure football will be involved. So um, indeed. You, 
you know, you and Matt and all the rest of the Newcastle fans, you yeah, enjoy it because you, you, you're pretty much going to, I think, going to survive this season. And uh, it wouldn't be the Premier League without Newcastle United in there, in my opinion. Um, so anyway, funny, let's, let's get off football because I know that not everyone's into it. Uh, although those of you who are following football, I'm sure you're excited and buzzing for what July is going to be bringing you. But in uh, films, I've got a little bit of film news if you're interested. Some yes, little... tell me. Yeah, some uh, actually, the, the, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that uh, Disney are looking to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean, but without Johnny Depp or without the Jack Sparrow character. They want to have a female lead, and I mentioned that uh, Karen Gillan was in the forerunning um, a couple of weeks ago. But now it seems that although Disney are moving ahead with it, it's actually Margot Robbie who's set to helm the new Pirates movie. Uh, she was confirmed this week has been signed on board, so she's definitely going to be in it, and will be reteaming with her Birds of Prey screenwriter, Christina Hodson. Um, now, apparently, this is a completely, entirely different project to the one that was mentioned with Karen Gillian. I, I can't doing two reboots of Pirates so I, th- I think something's going to be morphing. May- maybe Karen Gillian will be a secondary uh, player, a secondary character in this new reboot. Re- re- I mean be a, that would be a great cast if it was because I, I agree. Say that in terms of female actors at the moment Karen Gillan and uh, Margot Robbie will both be very high up on the list of uh, um, everyone's list of uh, how great they are so I would say yeah. they're both very hot properties at the moment yeah, absolutely indeed. And I think they could, like Johnny Depp did with um, Curse of the Black Pearl, is just create, hopefully, really standout new characters that can, uh, yeah, reboot the franchise and make it fun and exciting and adventurous again. Because fair yeah. to say, the, the last couple of Pirates didn't have that, although they tried so hard, they were maybe trying a bit too hard. So mm. um, quite excited by that. Now, speaking of uh, the sequels and reboots, so um, I know that you uh, classed Jurassic World as a reboot uh, quite a few podcasts ago. Uh, it is sequel, but yeah. I can see how it can be seen as a reboot as well. Um, Jurassic World Dominion is still coming to us next summer, one of the uh, temple movies of summer 2021. Uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, they're all returning next summer. Uh, and apparently, uh, Sam Neill has now confirmed that they will have extensive roles in the new sequel. It was thought that Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm would just be back for kind of a blink and miss cameo or maybe a couple of minutes. But apparently they're going to feature all the way throughout the film. They're going to acting with Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, and they're not going to be limited to the cameos, which I think is great news. Um, they're going to be spending about three to four months shooting the film with uh, Colin uh, Trevor Vore, who um, did the first Jurassic World. He executive produced Fallen um, Kingdom, and now he's back to direct this. Uh, what did you What did you just call him? Uh, Colin Trev. I'm going to try to remember how you pronounce his name because it's not how he's spelled. <laughs> it's Trev, Trevor Vore, I think. <sighs> Trevor Voro or Trevor Vore? I'm not sure. Let's go with say, both. How would you say his name, Mr. No, I'm, I, I'm not pronouncing that on this. No what? way. Absolutely not. Can oh, no. you what? call me out and then not help me with it? Well, I thought it was, personally, I thought it was Colin Trevoro. That's Trevorrow. what I thought it was. Yeah. But... I'm, I'm sure I've heard it's pronounced as Trevaro. Um, I could be wrong, but. Uh, well, your, okay. fir- your first pronunciation sounded like you said Trevaro. <laughs> So I'm not sure if I want to. The cassette just sped up. (laughs) Chris, what I I would say is I think that is absolutely inspired uh, decision uh, making by putting them back in. Because I think that whilst um, the first Jurassic World was went down really well, it did really good at the box office. The second one was a little bit down, um, wasn't as good. um, And I think that the best way to ignite Uh, a franchise like that is to bring those characters that we knew and loved from the original trilogy back and I think that that is an inspired decision uh, by the distributor and I will very much look forward to that film coming out now 
Well, here's a little bit more of uh, inspiration number two, Stu. Um, Don't know if you remember this character, but Campbell Scott is returning as Dodgson. Now, in the very first Jurassic Park, when Wayne Knight, the rather large IT guy, uh, played... You mean Russell Russell Crowe? Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Russell Crowe, fighting around the world, stealing dinosaur DNA and eating people left, right and centre. Yeah, Wayne (laughs) Knight's Nedry uh, has this little scene in an outdoor cafe and this guy turning up with like the the black shades and trying to look all incognito and just doing a bad job of it. He's an ingen stoolie called Dodson. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Knight says like... uh, Dodson's here. Everybody, Dodson. See, see, nobody cares. Nobody knew that. Yeah, it, it's that little scene in the film. Yeah. Well, Campbell Scott, the actor who played Dodson, he is returning. I'm not too sure what the capacity is, but you've got to feel that he's somehow still working for InGen and is probably going to play a bit of a bad guy uh, because obviously he was the one who gave Nedry the... Um, uh, yeah, the uh, shaving foam container yeah, yeah, yeah. put all the Where DNA. Put the DNA in, yeah, yeah. Exactly, know. yeah. So he's coming back in, in like I said, not, not sure what the role is, but just the fact they're bringing back more and more elements from the first film, and hopefully the dinosaurs will be in there someplace and will look great as well. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the next thing that uh, I thought was kind of interesting, again, I'm a bit of a comic book geek, as you know, you may have got that idea over the last few weeks. I don't know uh, where you've come. I mean, I, there's, you've said nothing that would indicate that that is who you are as a person. So I don't know where that's come from. I need to change that. Anyway, uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg, uh, the uh, writing partnership uh, from way back in Superbad. They've been working together on so many projects over the last decade and a half. They're producing a reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, rebooting it for what feels like the 182nd time. Uh, maybe they could call it middle-aged, non-binary, Pilates, beings in a half shell or, or something. I'm, I'm sure. I like that title. I think I'm that sure. would look good on a poster. I think a Paramount executive will maybe be stealing that idea. I want to trademark that. But uh, yeah, it is going to be Paramount that are releasing this. And apparently it's going to be a CGI animated film. Uh, and with Rogan being involved, he might actually provide one of the voices, although that, that's not confirmed. I'm just That's me actually just thinking, oh, well, he could actually take one of the, the roles of one of the turtles and, and maybe. provide the voice. Maybe. I, I hope so. Um, the, only, the only downside of this is that the last time these guys tackled the, the superhero genre was 2011's Green Hornet, which... Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed, it wasn't that great. Now, moving on to uh, another superhero, kind of. Jason Momoa, who right now at the moment is quite famous for playing Aquaman uh, in Justice League and in the film. He's uh, going from Aquaman to Snowman. It's been announced this week that he's going to voice Frosty the Snowman in a new live-action CGI hybrid feature film from Warner Brothers. Uh, David Barombao, who uh, is on scripting duties, is uh, no no stranger to Christmas-themed films because he wrote the classic uh, 2003 film Elf, so great film, great film. So I, I think a bit of humor, may, maybe a bit of uh, sort of kind of weirdness is going to be put in there, uh, like that film again. Will Ferrell, absolutely brilliant. Um, I mean, Snowman is the story uh, of uh, he comes to life when a magical silk hat is placed on his head by kids, uh, and it's a lot of fantasy action adventure. So expect that one in uh, Christmas of 2021. Uh, and then finally, just to uh, round off uh, the film news for this week, uh, there are a couple of new trailers out there which I highly recommend if you've got a spare couple of minutes to uh, track down and have a look at. Uh, the first one is Respect, which is the new film starring Jennifer Hudson. Uh, she looks and sounds amazing in this. She's playing the role of legendary soul and blues singer Aretha Franklin. Uh, the film opens in the States at Christmas and will be out in January next year for us in the UK. And it already looks like it may be uh, an, an awards-baiting type film for the Oscars and the BAFTAs. Jennifer, It feels like that, doesn't it? 
feels yeah. like that. Yeah, Jennifer Hudson, of course, already an Oscar winner with Dream Girls, uh, but also really mm. good, solid actress, as well as being able to sing. Uh, she's amazing. I think perfect casting for Aretha. Big fan. Uh, as you know, with my history with Blues Brothers, I'm a big fan of that kind of music and of Aretha Franklin, that whole kind of, uh, of genre. So really, really looking forward to it. What do, you, what do you, I mean, you say, as I know, just in case anyone else doesn't know, Tristan used to dress up as one of the Blues Brothers in a tribute uh, act band uh, back in the 80s. And I've got pictures. If anyone wants them, feel free to drop me an email and I will send you the pictures. First of all, Carry First on. of all, it wasn't dressing up. It was a way of life. But yes, the band that I was in was Crying Shame. I played Jake, short, fat ugly one uh well, my best mate neil uh, was elwood and we had some great times and it wasn't the 80s cheeky scamp i thought greg was your best mate. uh not only when we're in a taxi in sheffield uh no uh my, gotcha. neil's my best mate and uh yeah it was actually during the 90s and into the noughties when we were uh, in that tribute act and uh yes hockey and days I, I i've got a lot of great memories i can't believe you've got pictures of that you must have been scouring my facebook but uh, anyway moving moving from that before it gets any more embarrassing um finally shia labeouf he is back uh in a film he's headlining david ayer's new thriller the tax collector um they last worked together on the uh war drama tank movie fury along with brad pitt which was superb in my opinion um there's no uk date set for this apparently it's going to be released on multiple platforms in the states in august but hopefully is going to pick it up and give it a theatrical run over here. It's, it's actually kind of uh, looks a decent little trailer. Um, Labouf plays a character called Creeper, who is a tax collector working for a local uh, drug dealer and crime boss. And he's paired up with a new gang member. But then things go a bit wrong when some new player comes into the uh, marketplace and his and um, Creeper's family is actually targeted. So, um, yeah, it looks uh, maybe a bit generic, but um, Labouf playing rather a, a hardcore sort of uh, gangster type character. I'm up for that. I, I like the look of that. So, um, have you seen either of these trailers, Stu, or you like them? I've seen um, the Respect trailer, but I haven't seen the other one, so we'll check that oh, out cool, for sure. Cool. Um, but yeah, looks uh, promising. I'm sure that over the next two weeks, um, once we uh, record the next podcast, there will be plenty more news uh, for us to catch up on, as always, Tris. Um, and in fairness, fingers crossed, fingers will be firmly crossed, certainly from my end, uh, that everything over in the US starts to calm down a little bit. And, uh, you know, that 31st um, of July date becomes more and more concrete. So thanks once again to everyone for listening this week. We appreciate it. If you have any questions for us, anything you want to know, drop us an email, as Tris said. Uh, and we will try and answer it as best we can on the next podcast. So from me, stay safe, keep watching films, and I will speak to you and see you all very soon. Yeah, take care, everybody. Hopefully catch up with you in a couple of weeks. Uh, keep enjoying your TV and your films. Uh, keep emailing myself and Stu. Uh, we do love to know what you've been watching and uh, get some feedback from you guys. Uh, for all you football fans, like I say, enjoy July. It's going to be immense. And Stu, I, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. We're about half an hour away from kickoff, so good luck tonight. All the best. You too, mate. We both need to win, let's be honest. Um, but if it's a draw, I don't think we're going to fall out. Um, so adios, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.